Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome to Essex Church, where this community of Kensington Unitarians meets each week. Welcome to today's winter solstice celebration. When the weather outside is, if not cold, at least grey and damp, and the days are short and the nights are long, it feels particularly appropriate, I think, to get together with other people in community like this, to turn aside from the material world for a while, busy as it is telling you of all the things you need to be buying. But no, turn away from that and recognise instead an inner world that moves to a different rhythm. I invite you to use this next hour, if you wish, to explore the qualities that would make this Christmas and midwinter a time of nourishment for you. A time in which your spirit both gives and receives that which will strengthen you in times of darkness, and that which will soften your heart. May the stresses and the strains of our everyday lives drop away now and leave us free to explore deeper mysteries and deeper truths. So Janine's going to light our many candles this morning. We have our four Advent candles and our chalice that unites us with Unitarian and Unitarian Universalist communities all around our world. Here are some words of welcome from Richard Gilbert. I wonder if any of these speak to you. We bid you welcome, who come with weary spirit seeking rest. Who come with troubles who are too much with you. Who come hurt and afraid. We bid you welcome, who come with hope in your heart. Who come with anticipation in your step. Who come proud and joyous. We will bid you welcome, who are seeker of a new faith who come to learn and explore. We bid you welcome, who enter this room as a homecoming, who have found here room for your spirit, who find in this place and this people a community. Whoever you are, whatever you are, wherever you are on your journey, we bid you welcome. And let's take some of those issues now into our time of prayer and reflection in which I call on the divine spirit of life and love to be with us now and to bless all that we say and do together here this day. As our year turns towards the shortest day and longest night, let us take this time to turn inwards and consider the balances in our own lives the ebb and the flow of all that exists, the great life of which we are a small part. In our own minds and hearts, may we move beyond dualities and polarities and find a oneness great enough to contain all that is. Help us, great spirit, to loosen the cords of habits of thinking from time to time so that we might be refreshed in our perceptions and opened once more to new possibilities in life. 
May we sing old songs as if for the first time. Greet old companions as new and wondrous beings in whose presence we are both delighted and curious. Let's take nothing for granted that even something as the rising of the sun on winter solstice dawn could encourage us to kneel in wonder. Let us feel that gratitude for the miracle of being alive here on planet Earth. And in silence now, let us each reflect for a short while, saying our own prayers, thinking our own thoughts, acknowledging our care for those we love and those who struggle we hear of in the news. For stillness, for companionship, for singing, for the turning of the year, for all this and more, let us give thanks. Amen. (coughs) We've got a, a lovely reading now by David White about appreciating darkness. Um, we're a bit short of um, printed um, orders of service, I think, so if people are able to perhaps share with somebody next to them and we can uh, pass them to people who've just arrived, that'd be lovely. Thank you. When your eyes are tired, the world is tired also. When your vision has gone, no part of the world can find you. Time to go into the dark, where the night has eyes to recognise its own. There you can be sure you are not beyond love. The dark will be your womb tonight. The night will give you a horizon further than you can see. You must learn one thing. The world was made to be free in. Give up all the other worlds except the one to which you belong. Sometimes it takes darkness and the sweet confinement of your aloneness to learn anything or anyone that does not bring you alive is too small for you. The Shortest Day by Susan Cooper So the shortest day came and the year died and everywhere down the centuries of the snow-white world came people dancing, singing, to drive the dark away. They lighted candles in the winter trees. They hung their homes with evergreen. They burned beseeching fires all night long to keep the year alive. 
And when the new day's sunshine blazed awake, they shouted, revelling. Through all across the centuries, you can hear them echoing behind us. Listen. All the long echoes sing the same delight, this shortest day and longest night. As promise awakens in the sleeping land, they carol, feast, give thanks, and dearly love their friends, and hope for peace. And so do we, here, now, this year, and every year. Welcome Yule! Um, Our meditation this morning features times of darkness, times of light. Um, I don't know if many of you listen to Melvin Bragg's In Our Time Radio 4 programme, but this week um, was an especially interesting discussion about circadian rhythms in our bodies. It's really worth listening to. These rhythms are just starting to be studied more systematically and they're now considered to be of much greater significance in health and well-being than they originally were thought to be. These rhythms function from within us. They're endogenous. uh, But they can be entrained. I so liked that word. Our body rhythms can be entrained by external environmental factors such as artificial light, and there is much more to learn about these inner rhythms um, and, of course, the changes in light that we're experiencing, particularly with LEDs and um, video screens and the like. But the main message that I picked up from this whole programme was that, surprise, surprise, we need both darkness and light. And that's what this meditation leads us into. So there'll be a short-spoken meditation, there'll be a few minutes of shared silence, and then that's brought to an end by a chime from our Tibetan bowl. So do whatever you need to do to be comfortable. Some people prefer to put things down. Perhaps be aware of yourself sitting in this chair and our feet on the floor and our connection with the earth. It's not that far away from us, the London clay, the remains of the gravel in the gravel pit that used to be here, the bedrock beneath us, and the spinning of our planet Earth home in space around the sun. So let's in... Allow the gentle rhythm of our breathing now to help us turn deeper. Perhaps softening our gaze or closing our eyes, whatever works best for us. As we consider, if you wish, the times of darkness and the times of light in life. The way the seasons change. And there's nothing we can do about it. It just happens. The way that we react to dark and light at different times in our lives. 
Some of us find the lack of light in the winter quite difficult. Some of us enjoy the darkness. And if we use darkness and light as metaphor, we know the times in our own lives where things have been tough. Perhaps in those dark times, yet something of light has emerged. I invite you in these few minutes of shared silence together to consider darkness and light and your relationship to them both. I lived up north for many years, and as you probably know, it's a lot colder and a lot wetter up there than it is here in the southeast, even in a winter as mild as this one has been so far. 
but one of my coldest ever experience happened on a, a Derbyshire moorland one winter solstice morning out in the Peak District. I have some friends who like to get up every year very early on the morning of the winter solstice while it's still dark, uh, climb up onto a high peak above the moorland and await the dawn. So that morning, 14 of us set off from their house at about 6.30. It was very, very dark. It's hard to imagine on a day as mild as this. It really was very dark and very cold. It was a long way to walk. And about halfway up the hill, a freezing sort of drizzle started to fall. The wind blew through all our layers of clothing. It was so miserable that some of the party decided they'd just turn around and go back home and not bother to go to the top of the hill. The rest of us just trudged on. By the time we got to the top of the hill, the freezing drizzle had become a blizzard and it was quite hard to see one another anymore. We were meant to stand there and wait for the sun to rise and to cheer when it did, but so adverse were those weather conditions that we could barely see the sky, never mind the dawning of that lovely winter solstice sun. So in the end, we gave a great shout anyway at what seemed like the right time, and then beat a hasty retreat down the hill for a nice cooked breakfast in a warm kitchen. That's my only winter solstice experience. And as we walked down that hill, we talked about ancient people, and the various customs that they followed for the winter solstice. One of the ones we liked the sound of was the pulling of a burning ball of hay up a hillside in order to encourage the sun to return. Others would light great bonfires on the top of those hills, and they would stand, as as we attempted to do that day, on the highest points and welcome the return of the sun. They'd keep a Yule log lit through the winter to encourage warmth and good cheer into their lives at the darkest time of the year. But I've long had this thought about a number of um, stone circles and other structures that were created to welcome the solstice, that it must have been entirely weather-dependent and there must have been whole years when the sun did not rise at the appropriate point and shine on that particular stone. There probably were weeks on end when those ancient people would not have felt sunlight or experienced anything other than dark and cold and rain here in the Northern Hemisphere. Now, one of the theories of religion suggests that religious beliefs developed as a response to such anxieties of life, a need to placate the gods that controlled life and the turning of the heavens. Yet, you know, I don't know that those ancient people would have worried about the dark times They were far more observant than us about the turning of the seasons. I think they knew perfectly well that the seasons could be more or less relied on, that the warmth of the sun would one day return to them. We could, in fact, even now, see the turning seasons as a promise the earth keeps to us. And there's nothing we have to do about it. Indeed, there's nothing we can do about it. I've changed the hangings here behind me to make them look more wintry, and we've put up a few snowflakes. But you know what? That is not going to make an iota of difference, is it, to what the weather is going to be like in the days and weeks ahead. And we don't earn any of this. We don't make it happen. All we can do is, in response to the promises kept for us by our planet Earth home is to honour them, to be grateful, to say thank you. 
And it's in that spirit of gratitude that in a few minutes we're going to invite you to take part in a simple solstice ritual, lighting a candle, lighting one another's candles, sitting with your candle or walking around the room, if you wish, in silence, giving thanks, reflecting on the seasons of life, being silent and waiting for new insights. And we'll be listening to um, a well-known Italian tune, Santa Lucia, that Sandra will be playing for us. St Lucy's Day is celebrated in many parts of the world, but it's of particular significance in Scandinavia and Italy. There are so many interesting traditions and folk tales associated with St Lucy or Lucia that perhaps next year we'll have a special service all about her. Her day is celebrated on December the 13th, but before the calendars were changed from the Julian to the Gregorian calendars in the 18th century, the 13th of December generally coincided with the winter solstice, the shortest day. So St Lucy, in one of these stories, is said to have worn a wreath of candles which allowed her hands to be free to carry food to the needy. She's appreciated for bringing light to dark times, just what's needed in the deep midwinter in northern lands. The solstice this year is going to occur, just in case you want to get up, at 4.49 in the morning on Tuesday the 22nd. If you're not going to get up, maybe in the next few days we might be particularly aware of a sense of the orbiting earth as it tilts away from the sun. Let's each of us seek ways to mark this time, to honour both the rhythms of the earth and of our own lives. Perhaps we need to snuggle inside with the radio and a good book. Perhaps we feel an urge to get outside and enjoy what light there is. Maybe it's time for us to be sociable and find people to celebrate with. Or maybe it's time to seek our own company and take some time to ponder on life's turning. But most of all, let's remember, and this is true for any day of the year, let's remember our ability to help one another in dark times, as we now invite you to pick up your candle and to pass the light to one another. And so on this nearly the shortest day, May the long time sun shine upon you. May all love surround you. And may the pure light within you guide your way on. Amen. So well and blessed be.